You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Malawan's Pearl The rain that fell wasn't so cold, only merely cool. Drops of water dappled a head of tousled dark hair, eventually soaking into its thick bulk. This hair ranged in color from pale green to dark turquoise. Algae had taken root in the long strands, and so gave them these shades. Some water dripped from the low curls which fell below his jawline to land on the woolly mantle that lay about his shoulders and chest. He sat low, resting on his heels, and gazed out through the rainy mists of the land before him. Billowing clouds were low in the sky, and as they passed overhead, moved by blustery winds, swelled with light where their thinness allowed more sun through. In these moments of illumination, he watched as miniature rainbows flashed and faded within the soft gale. Below this whispering gyre there stretched a rolling plain of stepped hills beset with countless flowing rivulets. Low, mossy trees cropped up here and there, alone and in clumps. They appeared an army of frozen sentinels in the haze. His eyes could not discern the edge of this land— though he knew it was there. He had traversed nearly every bit of surface of that place the elfin called Ruse Tern, the rain tower. Ruse Tern was a vast plateau that soared miles above the surrounding lands. The plateau was rife with springs. Some flowed with the might of true rivers, and others bubbled up from deep, warm aquifers to trace steaming trails across that high, swampy mesa and some flowed, small and silent, coming to life and then disappearing, before ever entering the awareness of any beast or folk. Whatever their differences, the destiny of all such watercourses was the same, to spill over the high edge of the great plateau and fall to the earth like so much rain from a tower. Yes, Malawan knew that just beyond those illuminated mists there lay the edge of his lands, that place where the earth terminated and was met with a sheer drop whose fathoms could not be counted. It was on this invisible horizon he fixed his vision. A breeze picked up and set low clouds and fog banks alike swirling into the sky, which brightened suddenly as the sun once more made an attempt to pierce the brumous veil. He breathed slow and deep, sodden by the shower, his bare feet half visible in puddle and mud. He was as much a part of the landscape as rock or moss or water. Above him lay the reaching branch of one of the old coniferous trees that grew on the rain tower.
one of but a few species that could tolerate the strange weather. It afforded him little protection from the elements, but he appreciated the slight concealment it offered. Even at this distance, he knew its eyes were startlingly sharp. He waited like this for a span of time which he did not think to measure, and then on the horizon he spied the movement of something vast through the illuminated mist rising slowly. He took a deep breath and calmly stood. From somewhere on those lower elevations of the plateau, near its edge, a chorus of horn calls sounded. So his warband had sighted it as well. This was good. The colossal form had come into clearer view now, and Malawan could see the outline of a vast carapace supported by massive legs. Legs whose girth dwarfed even the largest tree's trunk there on Rue's Tairn. The creature seemed to be turning slowly, moving in the direction of those audacious horn blasts. He retrieved his clever stick, which rested against the tree. It was of typical cloud-skin shape, a hardened point at the bottom end and topped with a branching Y shape. Spanning the two parallel branches was a leather strap, which served as a cunning sling to hurl projectiles at great speed. The creature he hunted today, though, would require different tactics. He sprang into a lightning dash, racing in the direction of the behemoth crab, which could now be seen. Rainwater sluiced from Malawan as he ran, and aside from the splashing of his footsteps, he made little sound. Downward he plunged through the fields and valleys, staying close to whatever large trees and rocks he could spy. Any cover he could find was welcome. The mists whirled around him as he pulsed onward, and his legs burned with the effort. They had waited for this day for nearly a whole cycle of the moon. Some days it seemed certain one would appear. The conditions had been perfect, yet nothing came. And now, at last, one of the creatures had emerged. In Malawan's tongue, they were called Brakira, the god crab. Dwelling deep within the cavernous tunnels that crisscrossed the heart of the Great Mesa, every so often they ascended to the open lands of the high plateau to hunt. And so, too, was it Malawan's time to hunt. He was growing closer to the great crab and studied it with keen glances as he ran. It was larger than he had first thought, standing more than ten times his height at his rough estimation. Its carapace was dark and thick with age, a ruddy pinkish hue, and set with countless scars and spurs, evidence of many previous battles with its kin. Its bulk swayed away from his direction as the hunting horns once more brayed. Excellent, thought Malawan, as he neared one of the creature's massive armored forelegs. He was almost upon it, when the clouds thinned and the sky was illuminated with a dazzling radiance, casting glittering light through the mists that lay over the plateau. The shaded fog, which had only moments before offered camouflage, now revealed him with a startling contrast, a dark figure racing amid a field of glowing cloud. The beady eyes of the giant land crab swiveled. It was suddenly aware of the tiny interloper closing in on it. With a slow and terrifying shift, Malawan watched as it moved to intercept him. 
the foreleg which he was aimed towards had slowly begun to lift from the earth. But there was still time, he hoped. He was dimly aware of the shadow descending above him, but did not bother to look up. To do so would cost him valuable moments. Malawan urged every ounce of strength into his burning thighs and let out a howling cry as he leapt through the air, hurtling his body towards the now skyward leg. Mere inches behind him the great shadow descended. The crab's gargantuan claw sailed so close by he could feel it brush against his mantle as it passed. But he had no time to savor this close call. His body tensed as he made impact with the crab's lifting leg, both his hands clutched firmly round his clever stick. As he landed, the stick quaked in his grip, its point elongating to find purchase in the bony armor plating of the creature. He pushed off from the stick with all his might barreling onward. His bare feet grasped the bumpy surface of the crab's shell and his momentum carried him upward. The horns of his warband cried out once again, this time with a shrill urgency, and the giant creature faltered a moment, uncertain as to where to direct its attention. All the while Malawan climbed on, now ascending the leg vertically, using hands and feet and the sharp, intelligent point of his clever stick. He was a force of adrenaline, a pounding heart, an unfaltering arrow, honing in on his goal with diamond certainty. The crab had shifted its bulk, but too slow. Malawan's free hand gripped the lip of the creature's top shell, and he hurled himself over its edge. For a moment, he seemed to float in a space of radiant, diffuse cloud and gauzy sunlight. Time slowed, and he found that he was grinning with excitement. A moment later, his feet made contact with the scarred carapace of the crab. He scanned the shell of the creature, looking to perceive something on its surface. In moments he spied that which he sought. A cluster of pockmarks etched deep into the crab's shell, aligned symmetrically with a central ridge running the length of its back. He raced over to the grouping of circular scars. Meanwhile, the crab had begun to shift its weight, starting to slope forward. He would have to work quickly. Into the deepest of these depressions, Malawan sunk the pointed end of his clever stick. A thin layer of shell covered the opening, though it was brittle and gave way with little effort. The stick sunk in deeper yet, he moved it about, seeking something within the hidden bulk of the great crustacean. By now, the crab was pitched forward at a wild angle, and Malawan held on to the stick with all his might, to keep from being launched off its back. In the periphery of his vision, he spied the members of his warband, standing awestruck, as he moved like an acrobat, trying to stay balanced. He cried something out to them, a guttural shout, and they suddenly snapped into action. Their wailing horn cries sounded once again, though this time they had spread out, and echoed from a multitude of places. The mighty crab paused and then began to right itself, once more interested in the little pests that scurried round its pillar-like feet. Malawan stabilized himself and resumed his probing of the crab's shell. If it was bothered by this intrusion, it offered no protest. Malawan laughed to himself, imagining it could be no worse than the bite of a water mite on his own shoulder. At last, his stick struck something solid and he began to coax it from the depths. 
The great Brakira was growing weary of the annoyance these little creatures were causing, and swooped its massive claw in a lazy arc, missing the cloudskin who dove to the earth for cover. Instead, it toppled a small stand of trees, which exploded into a cloud of splintering wood and flying moss clods. Enough was enough. It wasn't going to get its meal today. Malawan felt the pitch of the creature's back tilting once again, and icy sweat broke over him as he realized the crab was climbing back over the edge of the great plateau. With a great deep breath, he plunged his clever stick into the crab, then drew it out with a wild swirling motion, and could feel something smooth and solid moving along its length. With a triumphant cry, he wrenched the stick free, and behind it there burst forth a glistening orb, perfectly round, perfectly smooth, its surface shimmering with an exquisite iridescence. He caught the giant pearl of the god crab in one hand and broke into an uphill run, ascending the slope of the crab's shell, which grew steeper with every moment as its disc-shaped body moved over the edge of the mesa. The crab's shell was vertical by the time he reached its edge, and he stood and teetered there, gazing down. Goose flesh erupted over his skin as he looked behind him, and saw the sheer drop, a great expanse of cloud below which he could see no ground. So Malawan stood there, pearl in one hand, clever stick in the other, as the ponderous giant made its way down the vertical side of the rain tower. When he was nearly level with the ground, he leapt from the shell and landed on the earth, his feet ever grateful to have returned. His brothers and sisters approached, grinning, and together they stood amid great chunks of disordered earth and hewn trees, watching the back legs of the great crab disappear silently over the edge of the world. Malawan raised the pearl high for his kin to see, and they shook their heads in astonishment. It was the largest they had ever seen. Deep below the surface of Ruz Terran, the great crab chittered sullenly. His afternoon meal had been ruined. Yet, one of those pesky creatures that hounded him had managed to scratch an itch on its shell that had been bothering it for at least a century. The emissary of the cloud skin met Elissa and her entourage at the borderlands that lay in the misty woods below the great plateau. It was nearly nightfall, so they invited the tall, pale woman to share a meal and rest in their camp. The descent from the rain tower had no doubt been arduous. After their supper, the emissary, Cascara, took a seat next to Alyssa by the fire. I have something for you. A gift from the cloudskin. She unfurled a blanket of moss that had shrouded an object to reveal the largest pearl Alyssa had ever beheld. Its surface was a glittering swirl of orange and rosy hues, the colors of clouds at sunset. She looked at it with equal parts fascination and wonder. Negwin, who sat across the campfire, cleaning her fingernails with a pocket knife, let out a low, odd whistle. It's beautiful, she said flattered. Cascara paused a moment and then seemed to comprehend something. Ah, I'm sorry, you misunderstand. This pearl is not the gift. Elisa tilted her head, uncertain, though not wanting to cause any offense. The gift I offer is to show you how this pearl was captured. Elisa nodded, though not fully understanding. Cascara placed that perfect sphere in Elisa's hands, and then placed her own on top of it, the two of them cradling it there. 
Alyssa gazed for a moment at Cascara's milk-white hands. The skin was patterned with the gentlest of grays and whites, and she had neat, dark nails that were stained the color of deep brown river water, rich with the tannins of countless decomposing leaves. Now, close your eyes, ordered Cascara. Negwin raised an eyebrow, but a slow blink from Alyssa told the guardswoman there was no reason for concern. Cascara closed her eyes, too, and began to chant a lilting song in a faint voice. It was the song of the high plateau, that strange land of rain and cloud, of moss and rainbows, and countless other mysteries. A gentle light surged from the pearl, effusing between their fingers, and a vision began to materialize in Alyssa's mind. She found herself in Malawan's body, looking out over the plateau from a high vantage. Rain fell and dripped through his stringy hair, and she felt the cool mud on his bare feet. He seemed to be waiting for something, but what she could not yet say. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!